You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. 2023, we're already here, my goodness. Go figure. And so uh, we're so grateful that you have decided to join us. I know these last couple of Sundays, they've fallen on holidays, but I just want to commend you so much for being with us for the last couple of weeks, and we hope that your Christmas was really blessed and that you were encouraged, and you spent time with family, and that you worshiped the Lord together, and that it was stress-free, and it was a blessing. We're very much looking forward to what Lord the Lord has for us in this upcoming year, and this morning, I wanted to have someone come and share with you today. He's a, a friend of mine. He's one of the first pastors I met when I moved down here in, wow, 2008. That's a long time ago. Seems like an eternity now. But he's a good friend. He's a man who walks with integrity, a man who uh, has humility in his heart. What he says, he is. What he encourages others to do, he does himself. And uh, we had an opportunity to reconnect recently and have lunch together. And he was sharing with me the subject of which um, really convicted me. I'll say that much. It's okay for pastors to convict one another. Sometimes it's good. We're not the only ones that doing the convicting. Sometimes convicting happens when we get together in fellowship. And uh, it's a subject I want him to share with you today. He is the pastor of our Father's House Ministry Center and he also the founding pastor of that church. And uh, he is on loan from us for us today from that church. He would normally be preaching in his church, but I asked him, would you come and share at the beginning of the year? And he said yes. So would you welcome Pastor Dan Peliquin as he comes to share the word today? Good morning. This is, um, I'm in my 25th year at our father's house. Can't believe it. Um, This is only the second time I'm away on a Sunday morning. I mean, I've been away, but preaching somewhere else. Only the second time. Um, Not the first time I've been here, though. And um, I have a fond memory. Um, Your original name was Southwick Assembly, and our original name was Russian Waters. And before we even started the church, Pastor Toby contacted me. I think they were just maybe over a year old, inviting me to come out and share about what was going on with our church plant. We hadn't even opened the doors yet, and uh, we were your first missionaries. So he supported, not only did he financially support us, but um, he was a great friend to me initially, uh, coming alongside of me. I was a rookie, um, so I'm just blessed to be here. Thank you for inviting me, and I felt like it was something I needed to do. Um, I think it was good to the Holy Spirit uh, that we would do this together. And it's convicting to me. Uh, I don't know, Pastor Dan could probably tell you, when you counsel with people, when you communicate with people, maybe you've experienced it too, and you encouraging someone in the Word and in the Lord, how it reminds you of all the good things God's done in your life. Um, sometimes it convicts you even as you're telling them and encouraging them you're being reminded of things maybe you've let go or things you need to do yourself. So it was a good conversation for both of us. We were both convicted that day. Let me start with a verse. Romans twelve eleven says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Instead of lacking, in the English Standard Version and in King James, it uses the word slothful. A couple other translations use the word lagging. 
So in the Greek, it means, this word lacking means to be slow or to delay, to be tardy, slothful, or lazy. So the implication of it is that we should never be slothful or lagging in our zeal. We shouldn't be slow or tardy with our zeal in the Lord. So in other words, we're to be zealous. That's what he's implying is be busy about being zealous in your spiritual relationship with the Lord. But it only, not only says never be lacking in zeal, it also says keep your spiritual fervor. That's interesting. Um, other translations say fervent in spirit. I like the Greek. It means to seethe or to bubble, to boil. So like imagining boiling water. You can hear it, and of course you can walk up and see it, but, but it's boiling. And imagine our, our spiritual life seething and bubbling and boiling over. There is a responsibility on our part to guard our hearts, to keep our spiritual fervor and our zeal in the Lord. Amen? Keep it bubbling. Keep it seething. Um, have you ever had those moments where you kind of realize that something has happened and you're not where you were before? Complacent in some level, just not with the same spiritual fervor. So the word, and we're going to talk about several things today, but, but the word speaks of weapons of our warfare. And I'll get to that as one point later on, but fasting is one of those weapons to me of our warfare that are that are spiritual, they're not carnal, and we're to use them in the Lord. The Word also speaks of several things. I won't go over them, but there's several things that are specifically spoken about in the Word that can increase our faith, and fasting is one of them. So it's a weapon of my warfare. It is a way and a means by which my faith is strengthened and, and, and uh, like the water boiling it, get it to a place of, of seething up and of boiling over. So today I'm going to talk about fasting um, and about stoking our spiritual fire with that. It's, it's a way of fueling the fire. You know, if you have a fire, you put fuel on it, right? You put a piece of wood on it. But also you have air. Uh, my, my, one of my daughters, <clears throat> we, she used to call it the fire dance. And we would be up at camp and we'd be starting a fire and she would get some kind of a piece of cardboard or, you know, a plastic cover of a, one of our bins and she'd get over that fire and fan that fire until it was, you know, bursting with, with flame. And then that should be our spiritual life. We're responsible for that spiritual life of our own and the zeal that we have. So when we fuel the fire with zeal and part of it with fasting, we also fuel our faith and stir up our faith. So we're going to talk about those two things. My first point is this, not if, but when. It truly should not be a question of if we fast. It should only be a question of when we fast. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, When you fast, do not look sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you're fasting, but only to your Father who is in secret and your Father 
who sees in secret will reward you. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, if you're not familiar with that. It's a vital teaching from the Master, isn't it? We're to be like him and walk in his footsteps, and he left us this guidance from God, topics from the teacher, meaningful moments with the Messiah, learning from the Lord, amen? If you're familiar with Matthew, Jesus speaks woes to the Pharisees, but here he's speaking whens to the disciples. If you're familiar with the passage, he says when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So I'll touch on it briefly, give. Jesus said when you give, it wasn't an optional thing, it was something expected. Give your tithes, don't rob God. Give your offerings beyond your tithe. Give to, to certain things that, that you may have in the church that you do together beyond your tithing. When you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. It should be something that we're doing consistently, and I'm sure you are, but it ought to be a deep thing, an intimate thing, something that we're doing. And so it leads to when you fast as well. It's not an optional thing. It's something we ought to be doing as disciples. It is an imperative that we take up fasting, something we do regularly. I would prayerfully encourage you to consider fasting on a weekly basis. Before Jesus, they were fasting typically two days a week, the Jews. Early church fathers say that the church was fasting two days of the week as well, that it was a normative thing for them to be fasting. I had one lady um, say to me one time, I don't fast because it's so easy for me. I I can fast and it doesn't bother me at all, so I don't fast. And I said, oh, I said, how about prayer? Is prayer easy for you? And she said, oh, of course, I love praying. But it's easy for you, so why don't you stop praying? If if you're not fasting because it's easy for you, that's, it's silly. Whether it's easy or hard, it's still something we're to be doing. Amen? Because Jesus said so. And I, I will promise you this. It's something even to consider as a church that not only maybe this fast for this week that you're going to do, you know, next week, um, but to prayerfully be open to the Lord having you fast more often. It's something I was convicted about as we talked was as a church, we don't fast as much as we used to. And, and I don't think it's because the Lord doesn't want us to. I think it's because I need to be more attentive to the Lord about it and say, Lord, should we fast again as a church? I'll inter- I may interject a little few things along the way, but some of the most intense times we have is when we're fasting together or just as we come out of a fast. Because we're seeking the Lord, we're crying out to him, and, and we see his presence in services. We see, you know, all, all signs, wonders, miracles. We see the gifts of the Spirit operating. Um, and it comes from our fasting and our prayer and our seeking of God. I promise you, your fervor, your zeal, your faith will be stoked by the time that you spend in fasting. And always, for me, when you're fasting, of course, it's also prayer and being in the Word and doing those kind of things, right? We'll talk about that a little bit more. So the first part is not if, but when. The second one is do it in secret. Same scripture, I won't read the whole thing again, but same scripture they were doing it to be obvious to those around them. 
we're to be doing it to be obvious to God. Amen? It says, so that it will not be obvious to others. But it goes on to say, but only to your Father who's in secret. So fasting is intentional. It's purposed. It's to be in a secret place. It's intimate. When, I, when we talk about fasting at our church, is always the number one thing with fasting is it is a time of intimacy between you and God. Even if you're doing it corporately, you're still individually fasting as you're doing it together as a church. And that time of fasting should be something where you consider it an intimate time with God, a time set aside intentionally to spend more time with God, to be more aware of God. When we fast, people struggle all the time with hunger pangs. And, you know, our flesh wants food. It likes food. Amen. There's a, there, well, I was talking to one of my elders and he said that he was reading an article and was talking about the fact that within our brain, there is a part of our brain that is stimulated when we're eating food and that stimulation makes us feel good. So there's a reality. How many of you, um, you know, stress eat? You ever find yourself in front of the refrigerator just like... Because it makes us feel good, doesn't it? We, uh, how many of us are going to gather today? We gathered at Thanksgiving. We gathered at Christmas Eve. We gathered at Christmas. And what do we do when we gather? Stuff our faces. We, I, was looking through, <laughs> I was looking through some of our stuff, and um, we did a 27-day fast. Weird number, right? 3, 7, 10, 21, 40. We've done fasting. I, I'm flipping through, and it says 27. I'm like, 27-day fast? Why do we do that? Just my memory, I forgot. We did it from like the Monday after Thanksgiving till just before Christmas. And we did a fast in between. It's a great way to keep your belly in shape during the holidays anyways. So it's a secret place thing. It's an intimacy thing. You do it in secret. We don't do it for the sake of others, for them to see us. It's for him, and it's before him. Amen? Fasting is getting along with God. It's intentional, purposeful. It's, it's being resolute, right? We're, we're, we're really resolved about something. It, when we do it individual, there's a lot of different reasons that we do it. We do it for answers. We do it for direction. We do it for a breakthrough. We do it for deliverance. You can do it in seeking God for his power to move. There's a lot of different reasons to be fasting, we can do it individually and we can do it corporately. You know, hopefully you have some direction of prayer during a time of fasting. Um, to me, it's, a, it's this. It's God, this much I love you that I would set this time aside and humble myself in fasting to, to spend time with you. It's a this much I need you type of prayer. Um, to me, not, uh, fasting is like 911. It's saying, God, you, you are the only answer. You know, we kind of prayed it in the prayer room, but I love it. If you go read Jehoshaphat, I think it's Second Chronicles chapter 20, if I remember, and a vast army is coming against them. It's actually three people groups together are coming against Israel, and Jehoshaphat calls for um, all the people to gather and calls for a fast, everybody to fast. And as they're fasting, they gather together and he prays. Um, 
And, and part of what he says is, Lord, our eyes are on you. We have nothing. And, it, and it's, it's a lie. I mean, it's not a lie, but it's not true. He had much. When you read the chapters before, it tells you that he had somewhere around 2.1 million fighting men in Israel. And they were experienced fighting men. So he had a force to come against this vast army coming against him. It says in those chapters leading up to it that he had his store cities were full. That means he had the resources to go to war. So when he says in his prayer that they had nothing, that their eyes were on God and they had nothing, it wasn't true that they had nothing. It's just that he had also learned that it wasn't about what he had. It was about trusting in God for the victory and not trusting in their own selves or their own abilities or their own experience or their own training. So when we go into fasting, it's a secret place thing. We're going into a secret place with God and we're saying, God, you are the answer. We can have all kinds of things, but you are the one who makes a difference. Amen? Amen. Fasting is setting aside of the physical for the pursuit of the spiritual. So it is intentional, isn't it? If food fuels the body and the physical life, fasting is one of the fuels that feeds my spiritual life. Amen? True growth through fasting will happen when you spend time with the Lord behind closed doors. I say this too, if you're fasting and you're working and you're doing whatever else of your normal day and you're gonna do this for a week this time, it's not only the time that you spend behind doors someplace, you know, it, hopefully you get that time, but it's also just in the middle of the day when suddenly you, you feel hungry and you wish you could eat. That's a moment I turn into, Lord, I love you right now. I really love you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. And remember maybe one of the aspects of prayer, and I take that moment to pray. And I get by the hunger moment by turning it into an intimacy moment with God. When I was working, I would, and fasting, I would, instead of taking lunch the way I would normally take lunch, I'd go to my car, break out my Bible, read. Maybe spend half the time reading my Bible, half the time praying. It just, you're utilizing it different. I've had people go through fast and it completely changes their life, literally. Because let's say you go through the week of fasting next week and now you're not eating. And maybe you're spending, hopefully you're spending more time reading your word. And maybe you're coming to church to pray. And maybe at home you're going to make time to pray. And I've had people that while they're fasting get away from the TV because they're reading the Bible, because they're praying. And you know what happens? They realize, man, am I wasting a lot of time in front of that TV? And wow, am I having a good time in the word with the Lord? And wow, am I hearing some things from God? Break out your notes and journal. And all of a sudden they think, you know what? The fast is over, but, but I have a new pattern in my life. Something's gonna change because of that. Does that mean, I hope that makes sense. So two main focuses that ought to be going on when it talks about secret place for me is I ought to be in the Word and I ought to be in prayer. And I'd add to that praying in the Spirit. I did a sermon series not long ago on praying in the Spirit. I think it was like six weeks. I couldn't believe I went six weeks just talking about praying in the Spirit, how important it is, how powerful it is, how effective it is. So add those things to what you're doing. One word of advice, fasting without reading the Word and prayer is a diet. Fasting without reading the word and prayer is just a diet. Amen. 
make sure you're doing those things while you're fasting. So it's not if, it, if, but when, and it's done in secret. Third, it's done in humility. Same passage again. The Pharisees wanted to be seen, didn't they? They wanted to be seen in their giving. So the reward was that they were seen. They wanted to be seen in their praying. And so they, their reward was they were seen. You got what you wanted. You were seen by people. And the same with fasting. They wanted to be seen by people. For us, it's to be humble in our fasting. That we're not doing it to be seen. We're not doing it to get the attention of other people. Now listen, it doesn't mean that no other human being can know you're fasting. I've had people like, Pastor, if you tell someone you're fasting, that's pride. Well, my wife might need to know because she'll make supper. And then if I haven't told her I'm fasting, then she'll be kind of upset that she made supper. Am I making sense? It's okay for someone else. You do realize you're having a corporate fast next week, so all of you know that you're fasting. So it's not that someone knows. It's that if I'm doing it just to be seen and and to, to think I'm something special in front of people, then I've already got my reward. So there needs to be a humility where I'm cautious about that, but that doesn't mean someone can't know. I've had to answer the question occasionally. Someone says, well, Pastor, how about if we go eat? No, no, I'm good, thank you. No, come on, I want to bring you to lunch. No, it's okay, I'm, I'm good for today. Pat, I'm fasting. Oh, okay, sorry. I wasn't doing, I didn't let him know because I wanted to be seen just to shut him up. So that's one aspect of being humble is that we're just cautious that we're not doing it just to be seen. But the other aspect of humility and fasting is that we should be humbling ourselves with fasting. It's actually what the scripture says, Psalm 69, when I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. Psalm 35, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. There is a humbling of myself that goes on. And I'll say it this way. I think you're doing two aspects of humbling. You're humbling your body. You're not letting its desires have their way. I don't know if you've experienced it. There's a scripture that actually talks about our stomach being our God. And sometimes we find it's actually true. Our, our stomach controls our life. Or at least we're not controlling our stomach the way we should at times. It leads us along. But anyways, when we humble ourselves with fasting, part of it is we are humbling our body. We're, we're putting it under spiritual control, right? We're, we're, we're causing it to not get what it wants at the moment. There's also a humbling of our soul that goes on. It's intentional, isn't it? Lord, I'm going to put myself down in a manner. I'm going to humble myself before you physically and in my soul. I'm putting myself in a humble state before you because I need to be with you. I need to approach you. I need to cry out in prayer to you over these things that we're praying together for corporately or I'm praying for personally or, you know, my wife and I will pray at times together and fast and there's specific children or Situations that we're praying and fasting for. But it's true. Our soul gets humbled by it. Just mention fasting and people kind of turn like, ooh, I don't want to do that. We love our eating, don't we? But when I'm 
fasting, I'm bowed down or afflicting myself. And it's intentional to do that physically and, and focus more spiritually to express to God, Lord, this much you're the answer. This much I'm looking to you. My dependency, as I already said, like Jehoshaphat, is on you. And so I'm lowly right now. I'm meek before you right now. I'm humbling myself before you right now. So not if, but when, in the secret, humble before people, humble before God. And the fourth thing is, you're pouring into a new wineskin. Luke says this, Luke 5, 33, they said to him, John's disciples frequently fast and pray, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours continue to eat and drink. So Jesus said to them, you cannot make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But those days are coming, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, at that time they will fast. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. If he does, he will have torn the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And, one, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. No one after drinking old wine wants the new for he says the old is good enough. We're still in this period of time. Jesus was born, lived, ministered, suffered, died, rose, ascended back. And now the bridegroom has been taken from us. Now is the time that we are to be fasting. If we were with Jesus when he was on the earth, we wouldn't have fasted either because the bridegroom was with us. But now that the bridegroom is gone, we should be fasting. Amen? The old garment, the old wineskin was the old covenant, the law of Moses and all of that. It couldn't contain what was coming. The humans in that time could not contain what was coming. The new wineskin was needed to handle the new wine. What does that mean? Well, the gospel was coming and they needed to be born again. And with them being born again, the spirit was going to be poured into them. They were going to be regenerated and the spirit was going to be poured into them. So they needed a new wineskin. They needed a newness of life itself for themselves in order to contain the Holy Spirit that was being given to them. Now we fast. And part of our fasting to me is we're be, in, in Ephesians it says be filled with the spirit. In the Greek it's be being filled. It's not a one-time moment, be filled with the Spirit. It's a continuing thing of be being filled. You should be praying that almost, well, you should be praying it daily. Lord, fill me again, refresh me in the Spirit, and fill me, strengthen me with power in my innermost being, as Paul prays in Ephesians 3. We should be looking to be being filled and for this wineskin to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I'm filled with the Spirit, when I'm strong spiritually in the Holy Ghost, my fervor is up. My zeal is there. And when my fervor and my zeal are there, my faith is strong. I mean, we all have a basic faith in Christ unto salvation. 
but, but having faith for today, faith for tomorrow, faith for my situations, faith for, for, for physical and the healing, faith for the supernatural, faith for souls. When, when you have a zeal that is born of the Spirit and you're, you're stoking it, you know, I just think of a boiling pot of water on an outdoor fire and you just keep sticking the wood in and you just keep fanning it and the fire's ablaze and the water is boiling. That's what my spiritual life should be like. And fasting along with prayer and time with the Lord and, and reading my word, I am stoking the fire. I am filling that new wineskin with what it was to be filled with, the presence of the Spirit. Amen? And I think of it this way, and I've seen it. I've just experienced it. Individually and corporately, it makes a difference. Sometimes the, myself and the elders have decided to fast for three days. We'll take like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we'll fast and fast right into Sunday so we don't eat until after service on Sunday. It is amazing sometimes. I won't say it's 100%. It's amazing what Sunday morning's like. Because of us? No, it's not because of us. It's because we're seeking the one who makes the difference. And, and it gets exciting. And I've had, I, I can say honestly, we've had better times and, and we've had worse times where if I have the congregation understanding and they're participating and we're doing this together, it's incredible what can begin to happen. The presence of the Lord, the power of God that's moving. You know, I was talking with Pastor Dan, I think it was yesterday we talked on the phone. And he was talking about, you know, like praying and fasting and strategizing for the year ahead. You know, what are we going to do as a congregation? How are we going to outreach to people? Amen? Amen. But what I've experienced also is you pray and fast together and, and watch and see when people just come walking in the door. When the Holy Spirit is leading them and just drawing them in. I don't know about you, one of the one of the most wonderful things over all the years that I can hear, there's two things I really look forward to hear. One, you faithfully preach and teach the word of God here. Amen. I'm supposed to, but when, when people understand it and they recognize it, amen. Praise, glory to God, but amen. That's what should be happening. But one of the most important things I want to hear is, I felt and sensed the presence of God when I was in your building. I want people to walk in the door and I've had people literally like their legs almost give way because they walked into the presence of God in the sanctuary. You can't manufacture it. You can't buy it. You know, you, we, there's all kinds of stuff we can buy, right, Pastor? All kinds of stuff we can buy. Banners for the walls, you know, all kinds of stupid things. You can't buy God but you can pray and fast and cry out to him that he would be there. You're going to take up your positions and do your part. But when his presence is here, doesn't it change everything? Amen. Amen. The fifth one, fasting is a weapon of our warfare. Second Corinthians 6, 7 says, By the power of God with weapons of righteousness, both in the right hand and for the left. 2 Corinthians 10, a little further on, says, For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. A powerful thought. 
I was a Marine, so I understand armor and weapons. I like them. I was, um, I, I'm one of those people, I was a middle linebacker, so I had a mentality. I didn't wear body armor and I didn't wear a helmet to protect me. I, I used it as a weapon against the other guy. Am I making sense? I don't put on the armor of God to protect me from all the bad guys out there. You know, the, the word says that the, the gates of hell will not prevail. That means the gates of hell can't stop us. It's not like we're cowering in a corner hoping we make it through against the gates of hell. That's not what it's talking about. It should be that we in the church are powerful and we're knocking against the gates of hell in prayer and fasting and witnessing in the power of God. Are you Pentecostal? Right? We're Pentecostal. We should have expectation of the gifts of the Spirit operating through us individually and corporately. And that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us because we have weapons of warfare that are not of this world. They're supernatural weapons. And one of them is fasting. Amen? One of them is fasting. Praying in the Holy Ghost is another one. Oh my goodness. The power of God and the, and the working of the Spirit that comes as we pray in the Spirit. So we're to take up those weapons. Romans 13 says this, do this because we know the time that is already the hour for us to wake from sleep for our salvation is now nearer than when we became believers. That was written 2,000 years ago. Shouldn't we be awake? Shouldn't we be aware that the time is closing in? The night has advanced towards dawn. The day is near. So then we must lay aside the works of darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us live decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor in sexual morality and sensuality, not in discord and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. Take up our weapons of warfare, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on the weapons of light and use them for what he equipped them to us for. Amen? Fasting, praying, reading the word, praying in the spirit, that's putting on the Lord Jesus. For me, when I put on the full armor, if you take it piece by piece, every piece of that armor is Jesus. So I'm putting him on. He covers my head. He covers my heart. He covers my loins. He gives me faith to fight with. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and he is the word of God. All of it comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So when I'm fasting, in part, I am putting on the armor. I am taking up the weapon of my warfare and I'm fighting. We fight on our knees. I think there's a song that says that, right? I mean, we fight best on our knees. Fasting does not move God. Faith moves God. Fasting moves you into the position of intimacy, into the secret place where your flesh is being subdued and surrendered unto God, your life, imagine, if, if, the, if Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, and when you give, can any of those stand alone? Can I say to you, when you give, you ought to be giving? It's a standalone thing. I should be giving, Prayer, I can say, you should be praying every day. It's a standalone thing. I'm commanded to do it. I should be praying. And I should be fasting. This is my opinion. 
I, I, I would say occasionally in church, this is my opinion, we can argue about it later. And someone got upset with me, so now I say, this is my opinion, I think I can back it up scripturally, and we can discuss it later. But I think fasting on its own is a, is a, is a way of intimacy and, and, and prayer to the Lord without saying a word. Just the fact that you're fasting and humbling yourself before him, you are saying, God, this much I put my dependency on you. You're the difference. Fasting can stand alone because it's something we're called to do. I hope that makes sense. When we fast, we don't move God with our fasting, but to me, fasting is a great expression of our faith in God, and often as I'm fasting, it stirs up my faith in God, and as I'm praying, and as I'm, my zeal is being built up, and I'm praying, well, don't we pray differently when we get into the Lord and we're, we're intimate with God? Boy, we start to pray differently. Why? Because our faith is rising up and it's welling up. We, isn't it amazing how sometimes when we read the word or when we're doing something like fasting, we begin to believe at a different level. We begin to expect at a different level. That's because our faith is being stirred up by what we're doing, amen? Jeremiah 33, three says, call on me in prayer and I will answer you. I will show you great and mysterious things which you still do not know about. Amen. As much as I can, I can tell you stories of things I've experienced in the Lord, I still think there's more to, to know. There's more to experience. There's things that I still have not seen or expressions of certain things that I've not seen before. I've seen healings, but maybe I haven't seen one like that. I've seen deliverances, demonic deliverances, but maybe not one like that. There's more things to see and experience in the Lord. Amen. And the last one is this. Fasting is a pathway to power. Luke 4, then Jesus, full to the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he endured temptations from the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were completed, he was famished. A little few verses on. Then Jesus in the power of the Spirit returned to Galilee and news about him spread throughout the surrounding countryside. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by all. So we know he went off in the desert. Oftentimes we focus on the fact that, that he was tempted and, 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 and we get this description of Jesus' temptation by the enemy. But also remember that he was led by the Spirit off into the desert. And he had not begun his public ministry. He had just been baptized. The Spirit had come down upon him, and then the Spirit leads him off into the desert. He comes back from that, and it says he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is my experience. When people fast and pray and seek God, they often begin to move more powerfully in the Holy Spirit. Again, individually it can happen, and certainly corporately it can happen, that as you're praying and fasting and seeking God, the power of God begins to manifest all the more. So maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to do something in you during this time of fasting. Often when we're fasting, we're focused on what we want from it. The prayer focus that we may have day by day or for the whole period of time, and, and we're hoping to get answers to those prayers. Amen, that's biblical. But I often find that what happens is in the midst of the fasting, God's trying to get a hold of me. God begins to show me things about me, begins to convict me about things. 
You can't get close to God and not have him begin to touch you and work on you. And so often as we're fasting, and by fasting we're in the word more, and we're praying more, and as we're spending that intimacy with God, he's such a loving father who loves to discipline us and transform us and shape us into the likeness of his son. He can't help but say, you know, you really need to put this down. You need to be done with that. You know, you've left this undone for so long. It's time. So often as we're fasting and praying about certain things, he always goes to work on us. Amen? God does not only want to do something in you that often happens through times of fasting and that intimacy, but I promise he wants to do things through you. And it could be things that you've never done before, witnessing to someone, leading them to Jesus, laying hands on someone, seeing them healed. Man, that freaks you out when the first time it happens. Amen? I was, I, when I was, can I say this? Okay. When people would ask me, when people would ask me like at work, and I, I, I left work to plant the church. I, 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 was, I never was on staff. I think you were on staff before you came and became senior pastor. I would never was on staff anywhere. So I was working, and I was a little bit on fire. People would say to me, you know, hey, Dan, how are you doing today? And this was my answer. I'm a radically saved, born-again Christian, saved by the blood of Jesus. God is my Father. Christ is my Savior. I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm a tongue-talking, Bible-carrying, gospel-preaching man of God. I am having a great day. Amen? Amen? Amen. There should be a fervency and, and an excitement in our life. And, and as we seek him, he can use us and we can see things done powerfully. He's, he, he does it. He works on us, but he wants to work through us. Amen? How about this? As you fast and pray, he may work on you as a congregation. He may show you something about your church that needs to change. It's a time of humbling. It's a time of secret place. So sometimes it's a time of this needs to change. And it may come to Pastor Dan. It might come through one of your leaders. It might come through just someone who says, I was praying and the Lord showed me this. And, and, he, and, he, and, and they share it with you. And suddenly you're full of tears and you're going, oh my gosh, you know, that's a word from the Lord for us as a church. So he doesn't want to only do something like in you. That kind of thing can happen. But he may want to start working on you to do something more powerful through you. Amen. So it's not if, it's when. It's done in secret on purpose. It's humility before people, but also a humbling of myself before God. Amen. It's a stretching of the wineskin and a filling of it to capacity with the Spirit. It's a weapon of my warfare, and it's a pathway to supernatural power that the Lord can use us all the more, amen? I, do, I promise you, I really believe it, if, if you will intentionally commit yourself to fasting together as a church, even hold yourself accountable to someone and say, you know, check in with me, I really wanna do this, and, and, and intentionally go after it, you can experience things yourself, as a family, as a couple, and as a church, you may experience some powerful things that will make you want to keep fasting, amen, and keep seeking the Lord in that way. I love, and I said it already, I'll say it and I'll end with this. I, I, I have always loved that the atmosphere of the presence of the Spirit that comes 
when we're fasting. And, and I've experienced this. Sometimes in the midst of the fast, like we've done 21, 10-day, 21, 40-day fast. And sometimes you don't necessarily see a whole lot while you're fasting. Sometimes, and sometimes we do, but sometimes it's as we end and like the weeks after, it's like, wow, something was planted and something germinated and something like suddenly begins to break forth. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I want to keep that momentum going. And you, the way you keep that momentum going is the fasting, is the praying, is the crying out to God. I'll tell you one story quick and then I'll stop and I'll actually be on time. We had a lady that came to our church, and it was on a Wednesday night. Um, and she was a, a, a young, beautiful lady, very smart. She had gone to UMass Amherst, had gotten her bachelor's degree, had gotten her master's degree, and she had gotten an offer from another college in Pennsylvania somewhere to um, work towards her doctorate and also work in their labs. So she was a brainiac single mom, couple of kids, and an, uh, and an avowed atheist, okay, did not believe in God. One of our ladies was a friend with her, invited her to come on a Wednesday night because we were having f- free hot dogs and chips and stuff. Before service, we just decided to have like a fellowship time and just eat together, simple meal, nothing spectacular, but we were going to fellowship together and then we were going to do Wednesday and Wednesday we worship and then we do our Bible study. So she came, and, um, and I was aware that she was coming. The, 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 our young lady let us know she was coming. So, you know, we try not to be overwhelming, but we're trying to greet her, talk with her. Hi, how are you doing? We got done eating, and we're like, okay, everybody, you know, kind of left the, the, the tables at the back. Come on up towards the front. We're going to worship. I thought she would leave. This my honest. I thought she would leave because she was an atheist and didn't want anything to do with God or church. She sat at the back and she let her kids go down to our children's stuff that was going on. I was kind of shocked, but we began to worship. Now she's telling the story after, okay? We began to worship. I don't know, there was 20, 25 of us there and we're worshiping God like we do, like we do, like you just did. She's sitting at the back where the tables were where we ate. She begins to, she begins, she begins to weep and then begins to sob. She gets up and she heads out the door like your doors are here. She heads out the door and she's gonna head out into the, into the parking lot. And one of our ladies just happened to be coming in late and said, saw her crying and said, are you okay? And she goes, I do not know what is in there, but there's something in there. And she's making me cry. And I don't, I'm not a person that's out of control, but something in there is making me cry. Is that God? And she said, yeah, that's God. She goes, come on back in. And she goes, I don't know if I can handle it. She came back in. She began to come every Wednesday, every Sunday, sit in the front row as close as she could get, you know, in spit range. Not saved but totally blown away by the presence of God. It wasn't what we said. Did it become that? Yes, it began to become what we said, but it was what she experienced of the presence of God that blew her mind. 
This girl came to me and said, Pastor, I was at home just thinking about all these things I've heard. And she took notes. You know, she was an academic, but she's taking notes. She goes, she goes, I just fell on my knees in my kitchen. I began to weep. She goes, if I accept Christ, everything has to change. I said, yeah, it's true. I go, it's free. She already understood this, that Jesus is free. He paid on the cross. She said, it's free, but it costs me everything. She was weeping and she said, I've got to change the way I think. I've got to change who I'm with and why I'm with them. This, the Holy Spirit was doing all, do you understand? We were there to answer questions and do our part, but the Holy Spirit was moving. I don't know about you, but that's the atmosphere I want. Amen? And that comes from God, our eyes are on you. This much we need you. This is why we're fasting, we're praying, because you're the only answer. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.